thought that before I started in on a sharing some stray thoughts about the Dharma that I would just continue on the theme of generosity and talk about the cosmic nature of generosity just for a few moments. Sharing the words of Brian Swim. The sun each second transforms four million tons of itself into light. Human generosity is possible only because at the center of the solar system, a magnificent stellar generosity pours forth free energy day and night without stop, without complaint, and without the slightest hesitation. So all of your natural generosity is just a, a more earthly expression of this, of this ongoing flow of, of free goodwill. You're volunteering on Tuesday nights if you choose to, and those who do feel, I have a feeling, feel part of that flow of generosity. And uh, anywhere that you can practice generosity in your life, so, for whatever that's worth, it's cosmic. My thoughts are unformed, but I was thinking tonight that it would be useful to talk about what is in my mind uh, as the, the new normal. That's the title of tonight's talk. The new normal is is a, a different view, as I started last week with a re, uh, rediscovering or reimagining, realizing a, a different kind of happiness. Used to, the, our normal in our life has been to associate happiness with satisfying hunger, with getting what we want and getting rid of what we don't want. It's all about sensual happiness, all about sensual pleasure, or the absence of, of sensual pain. And unfortunately, this associating this kind of happiness with what's normal, because it has been normal, is what we've chosen to to just take for granted what is normal is actually something that's very optional. It's conditioned. It, and it gets conditioned because of a kind of confusion that we have about, because from lack of attention, a confusion we have about what really does bring true happiness. So last week I talked about the, the fruits of this so-called normal experience of happiness in our daily lives. We have an amazing array of sens sensual pleasure available to us in our life, and if that becomes the center of our path of happiness, the way that we make ourselves happy, we will inevitably experience a lot of pleasure. But we often don't recognize that the shadow side of that pleasure, the hidden effect of that pleasure is, is that 
our minds become dependent on that kind of pleasure. Our minds become slaves to conditions the way that we like them to be. If the conditions are pleasant and agreeable, we're happy. If the conditions are unpleasant, disagreeable, we're unhappy. This kind of happiness, which, we, which is our normal kind of happiness, it's not happy. It is, a happy, it is, it is um, insecure. It is unreliable. And each one of those little pleasures that we depend on, how we become dependent on them, is because our mind does a quick assessment when we experience the pleasure. We sometimes don't notice that it passes very quickly, but there is often a feeling of loss after each pleasurable experience passes away. Everything that you've experienced the thing you looked forward to more than anything in your life, it came and it went. And when it went, there was a little residue of, uh. And most of us aren't attending to that moment of, uh, that moment of loss, that moment of emptiness, of the cessation of that life that, was, that we were living while we were busy trying to get what we wanted. While I was trying to get to that to that um, pinnacle of success, or to the end of that degree, or to that completion of some project, or that, that purchase that, that I thought would make all the difference. The pleasure, no doubt, arises from that moment of, of getting what you want, but it passes and it leaves in its wake a feeling of loss and because of the mis, misperception that that can be a real source of happiness, our mind immediately uh, is conditioned to look for more. And the more our mind looks for more in the domain of sensual pleasure, the more our mind literally practices, becomes addicted to the habit of wanting what you don't have, and then not being satisfied with what you do have. So that kind of happiness is what we call normal. The new normal is what's possible, is a, we won't call it happiness as a mood, but sometimes that will be the fragrance of this kind of happiness, but the happiness of peace. That's what the Buddha po pointed to. The happiness or the well-being, or the ease of being, or the cessation of grasping, an ease that, that can be present in, in our life that does not depend on circumstances. We may read books and imagine this kind of well-being that doesn't depend on circumstances, but we do not. No one needs to simply imagine that. We can experience that. We can experience it any moment, any moment when our mind is, is momentarily free of greed, of wanting things to be different, hatred, being averse to what's going on, and delusion, just the confusion of thinking that I can't be happy now. Any moment, and that would be any moment where you are 
dwelling with open attention, could be sky-like or microscopic, just attention to the reality of what's unfolding right now. That it may seem so simple, it's so close, it's so easy, in a way, you don't have to go anywhere. It's so close and easy that uh, we can't imagine that, that without achieving anything, you arrive, you are already, you could say, at the, at the pinnacle. That you are, so you could say the new normal would be to be happy right where you are, depend, independent of circumstances, unconditionally. This is, the Buddha called this Lokutra Sukha, unstuck from the world, beyond the power and influence of what's going on. And it is the function of mindful attention that any moment where there is mindful attention, when you actually are attentive to what's going on and interested and care about what's going on, in that moment, there is, uh, there is maybe at first, just the, the, the whiff of, a, of well-being that doesn't depend on circumstances. But if that mindful attention is made strong and continuous, and we get used to the natural happiness of being conscious, then joys will come to our lives. And as the William Blake poem says, we will kiss those joys as they fly. And he says, we'll live in eternity sunrise. We'll just be, we'll let, the, we'll be able to let go. When pains come into our lives, we'll be able to accommodate them and metabolize them without compounding them with all our histrionics. I was just hearing today, and every temperament is different, but I was hearing today a, a conflict that was going on in a, in a relationship where one of the, um, there was a loss in, for one of the, partners in this relationship, there was a loss uh, of somebody that that person had known 20 years ago and uh, hadn't seen them in five years, hadn't really gotten along with them very well anyway, but when they heard that they were, that that person died, they completely fell apart and they their whole life just kind of crumbled for that, for that time. And this is a pattern that this person tends to, when something painful and real happens, the normal is, is to, to build it into, a, into a, a big drama. The partner was accused, the other partner was accused of being insensitive because it just didn't seem like the end of the world. Now, which one, which one is, which one is normal? Normal is to embellish. 
But when you see some, someone who's really embellishing, who's gone off the rails with their embellishment, it, it seems like unnecessary. It seems like they're compounding, adding to the suffering that's already enough just to, just to deal with the loss that comes with it. Now, of course, if the person is, if the other person who's experiencing this just says, ah, who cares? That's not, that's not healthy either. That's just cutting off. That's just seeing that life happens like this, but without any heart, without any compassion. The new normal would be, don't embellish, but feel it. Feel it. The old normal is, someone dies, it's the end of the world. Someone is sick. Terrible. This is this is why Jennifer Wellwood. She this is describes what shouldn't be the the new normal. This should be the normal. She says, "Friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending we know, don't know the deal here. And if we truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long?" Let's grieve our losses fully, like ripe human beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life had broken her secret promise to us. Impermanence is life's only promise to us, and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child, she seems cruel, but she is only wild, and her compassion exquisitely precise, brilliantly penetrating, luminous with truth, she strips away the unreal, show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for a safe passage. There isn't one anyway, and the cost is too high. We're not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for one, what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. Love that. Thich Nhat Hanh put it very simply, no mud, no lotus. No mud, no lotus. Why do we act so betrayed by the fact that, there, that pleasure in our life is mixed with pain, gain in our life is mixed with loss, fame in our life is mixed with shame? You know, it's, this is how it is. So if our well-being, if what's normal is to be dependent on things being pleasurable, we were, were cheated with that. This is what Hafez calls counterfeit coins. He says, learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure, but then drag you for days like a broken man behind a farting camel. So the new normal means that we allow, <laughs> we allow for the, we learn, and it's a, it's a slow, it's a gradual learning to be able to sit in the middle of the, of the joys and the sorrows, to not add extra arrows to shoot to, that, that's hard enough just to deal with the, the deep sense of loss that we may feel when someone dies, or the deep sense of difficulty with our bodies when they're sick, or the, our relationships when they're frustrated, everything. It's hard to bear, but it, it's not, it does not have to be the normal to compound that with extra, extra 
proliferation and complication of thoughts and worries and, and all of this extra comes from the lack of continuous mindful attention. Because mindful attention, being present, living in the present moment, cannot coexist with the feeding of the embellishments of our, of our reactions and our, our thoughts. We will notice a lot of reactions. We will notice a lot of thoughts if we dwell in the present. But our thoughts and feelings and reactions will lose their stickiness. And the new normal is our mind is, is, um, is free and open like the sky. It's not bound up in, in what I want to happen. You know, Rumi, the great static poet Rumi said, he said he was he saw through this whole game. He said failure is the key to the queendom within. Your prayer should be break the legs of what I want to happen. Humiliate my desire. Eat me like candy. See if we really look at this, look at the the how much we wear ourselves out in a state of perpetual waiting and wanting. If we bring this into the light of attention, our hearts will, will break. I will will just say, why are you, why do you stay? As he, he also says, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? He says, come out of the tangle of all this wanting. Live in silence. Live in openness. Live in awareness. He says, let it flow down and down in ever-widening rings of being, where we're just not so caught up. The new normal is, is we are, we can be skylight. It can be less about, less about um, me and mine and what I want to happen, more about us, about we. This is D.H. Lawrence from Phoenix 2. Oh, what a catastrophe, that maiming of love when it was made a personal, merely personal feeling, taken away from the rising and setting of the sun and cut off from the magic connection of the solstice and equinox. This is what is the matter with us. We're bleeding at the roots because we cut off from the earth and sun and stars. And love is a grinning mockery because poor blossom, we plucked it from its stem on the tree of life and expected it to keep blooming in our civilized vase on the table. So love is not, the, the normal is to, have, to be caught in this kind of sentimental love, love just for those who are, are nearest and dearest. The new normal is a, a much more universal loving kindness where I can have the same, and this is possible, and it's, Anyone who practices loving-kindness knows that this can grow in our hearts, where, our, we, where it's possible to have the same well-wishing for the, even for your worst enemy, for the, with the most difficult person, the same well-wishing for that person to be happy, to be healthy, to be strong, to be free of suffering, to have their heart be able to feel and have it not be limited to just the ones that are easy to love, but the ones that are also difficult. Not limited to the ones we know, but ones who we would just be oblivious to, unless we consciously expand our circle of affection. 
It's possible. This could be normal. This is why we practice, is to discover a, a new normal. And again, it shouldn't be normal. It's within every human capacity. We've just gotten used to being just caught up in greed, hate, hatred, ignorance, and in such a very narrow world of our own preoccupations. And all of that, um, all of that dream that flows through our mind, the dream of me, we can wake up out of that dream. It's not real anyway. The one who you imagine yourself to be doesn't exist. But the one that's here in this room, the one that actually lives your life moment by moment, that's not the secondhand version. That's the real thing. It's like every single moment, every step you take, every bite you take, every gaze that you make, every little judgment that goes through your mind, all of that, everything that, that arises, that's our life. It's not that little story of you, that, of the one who came from the past, that's moving through the present, on the way to the future, the one that's never quite getting there, the one that's never quite enough, the one that's unworthy. What's normal is to believe that story. And the new normal is you see that, as my teacher Manindra said, as I spoke of him last week, a thought of your mother is not your mother. A thought of yourself is not yourself. Any one of us can know that, and it doesn't take much. But to, to live that, to live with our, with our, um, our sense of, of a sense of ourselves being really about present evidence. It's not always relating ourselves to our life situation or our history. Being able to appreciate our history and our life situation, to work with our struggles and all that, but not to, but not to overlook that you are in real time, in immediate time, you are indescribable. You are a field of, of senses and perceptions, and you're ever-changing, and you are, you are a wakefulness itself. You are sky-like nature itself. You are awareness itself. You are, before you can say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I'm this name or that name, this gender, that gender, this religion, that religion, I am. That's the new normal, is that you are conscious, that I'm conscious. And that is, and being conscious is anything but depressed and deluded. It is alive, and life is vivid. It is brilliant, and it's interesting. And it's not possible not to just, in some way, fall in love with it. That means fall in love with affection, fall in love with compassion for how much of our life we miss while we're busy either making other plans or being or believing these false views about ourselves. The new normal is is free. Free. There's not one person here who is not fundamentally free. The only way you know you're not free is because you imagine you're not. And it's all about freedom. It's all about the freedom that comes through, uh, through not clinging, not identifying, 
misidentifying with the stories in our mind or these mistaken views of what will make me happy. So we have to make that profound shift from being lost in our narrative to noticing it. Lost in the, the, the elaborations and proliferations of our mind to the noticing of it. So that, we, so that the new normal is you can have fun with the, with the papancha, the, the elaborations that your mind do. It doesn't mean they stop. Our minds, we are, one of our sense doors, one of our senses is the mind, and it thinks. And it thinks 65,000 thoughts a day, somebody said. And it repeats those thoughts. It said 90% are repeats from the day before. So minds think, and they proliferate. We can, the new normal is, you notice it. And you notice, oh, there's the, there is the, um, the, the drama of, there's the, what the Buddha called tanha papancha. There's the drama of me planning my next conquest or purchase or vacation or whatever it is and just the world that I create in my mind. The creative display of the what's called tanha papancha, and then there's the the uh, mana papancha. We can see the way our mind says, "Oh, I'm better than that person. I'm less than that person. I'm equal to that person. I'm they're smarter than me. I'm smarter than them. They're wealthier than me." It's we can see the comparing mind rather than saying, "I am that. I'm not the comparing mind." Again, that one who's comparing doesn't, that whole character that plays in your mind, that, that person doesn't really exist. That's the story of you. And if you believe that story, how diminishing it is, how depressing it is when you're less than someone. Now, is there any evidence for being less than someone here and now, in this room, in this moment, if you don't, if you don't believe your thoughts? If you suspend your views for a moment, any sign of insufficiency in real time, that truth, that open secret is always available. Nothing is missing. So it's a beautiful thing to be able to notice how moment by moment my mind will create a scenario where something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with someone else. Which makes me feel better about myself, feel less good about them. And in that, in that whole scenario, I start to feel worse, bad. And this is not to deny the enormous level of differences in this world. But it's noticing that the story of the differences, the meaning ascribed to these differences, the reactions to these differences are negotiable, they're optional. And often the way each of us constructs reality in our mind, it's 
we feel diminished. So the beauty of the new normal is that you notice your comparing mind. You can, you can notice the, the wanting mind. You can notice the attachment to certain views and opinions and how they make you mad. You know, nobody ever makes us mad. What makes us mad is that we lose contact with our sense of immediacy, well-being. And when do we use that? Because we, we think somebody else is making us mad. And then, all of a sudden, we lose ourselves. The new normal is we realize when we're mad that we've lost our center and that we've adopted some kind of view of reality. We're attached to some kind of view. So we then we notice aversion. And the very thing that's... That, that pain that's, that we're carrying in our heart, that burning irritation and anger with our partner or with the world or whatever, is, becomes the, the manure of our own compassion, becomes the source of our own peace, believe it or not. We stop projecting it on everything and everyone, and we work with it in our own heart. That's the new normal. We don't project so much. And if we're projecting, we notice it. See, that's possible with the continuity of mindful attention. Just stop blaming and demanding. And then go about fixing what needs to be fixed, helping where help is needed, but without so much, without so much ill will, without so much frustration. Because we, hold, we remain balanced. We don't lose our seat. And that's why we sit every day. That's why we walk every day. That's why we eat mindfully. That's why we cultivate every day to soften this tight fist of grasping, the tightness of our heart. Every day we say, may you be happy, may you be happy, may everybody be happy. We keep opening our heart, extending ourselves. And maybe we, we do more of that loving kindness to ourselves than anyone else. Because that's where the work needs to be done. You know, the, as we know, the world is all about the way people are. We're, we add to whatever way, whatever measure of suffering we add to the world from our own reactivity, that's, what, that's where the, the light has to shine. That's where the love has to get. May all beings realize the new normal. May all beings be free. And may our practice today and every day be dedicated uh, to the welfare and benefit of all beings, not just for ourselves. So I, I um, before we end, it ton end tonight, as a part of a, you know, as we come out of the tangle of our own internal experience, um, we, even on a Tuesday night, we realize we don't live alone apart from each other. We actually are a in some ways, a sangha, a community. And within our ranks, we have people every day uh, who um, have lots of challenges and difficulties. If you're human, you have them. And as Tara mentioned, our, our, um, our um, care that we offer on our, on our site and people available to respond to needs, we, we always want to provide support for, um, for
for everyone who is maybe hurting. And in our midst, if you, and I, she doesn't mind if I say, one of our Sangha members, Catherine, who's sitting up here, she, her brother just suddenly, recently passed away. And, uh, and I, I can't even, I would never even begin to describe what her heart is feeling with that loss. But, but it, my heart goes out to her in that loss. And I would like everyone here to shower her with loving kindness. And, and as well, shower everyone here, because all of us have either experienced loss, are experiencing loss, will experience loss, to shower ourselves with, with care and love and kindness for the inevitable losses. And Catherine in particular, for the recent loss that uh, she had of her brother Jack, who was a kind of larger-than-life character, and uh, he's a, it's a big loss. And even, I didn't even know him, and just what I heard about him, I feel a, a sense of loss. Of course, I feel a kinship with, with Catherine and her partner Peter, who know, knew him very well. And for anyone who's had loss, let's, let's just, just uh, dwell in caring and kindness. And may, may, our, may Catherine's and may our hearts be at ease. May our suffering be at ease, be eased. May, may we continue to, to feel health and strength and have an accepting heart. And may all beings experience loss with, with grace May all beings be free, and may Catherine be free, and may our, all our hearts be filled with loving kindness and compassion. I think I'll end tonight after this few moments of reflecting with the words of Ashvagosha, ancient teacher, who said, The Dharma of the Buddha does not require a person to go into homelessness or resign from the world unless he or she is called upon to do so. But the Dharma of the Buddha asks every person to free themselves from the illusion of separateness, to cleanse one's heart, to give up one's dependency on pleasure, and lead a life of harmlessness. And whatever people do, whether they remain in the world as artisans, merchants, officers of the king and queen, or retire from the world and devote themselves to a life of religious meditation, let them put their whole heart into the task. Let them be diligent and energetic, and if like the lotus flower, which grows out of muddy water but remains untouched by the mud, they engage in life without cherishing envy or hatred, and if they live in the world 
not a life of self, but a life of truth, then surely joy, peace, and bliss will dwell in their minds. And may all beings find the new normal of walking the path. Thanks for your presence, thanks for your patience, thanks for your generosity, thanks for your volunteering for, to help set up and break down, and especially thanks for your practice. Thank you. I really like being here these three weeks. I'm glad you were It's also very familiar. Things that you talked about, I mean, you know, like I've always said about the government. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.